So good evening. It's nice as always to be here. Last time I was here, I talked about joy. And one of the elements I talked about is opening to suffering. One of the elements of joy. So I thought this evening I would expand on that a bit. Um, what does it mean to open to suffering? What is suffering? In Buddhist practice, we talk a lot about suffering. And for some people, they see that as a negative. You know, that Buddhist practice is, is um, nihilistic or anti-life. But for other people, it's a great relief to have suffering talked about. But we want to do more than just talk about suffering. And so tonight I'm going to talk about what it means to open to suffering, what it doesn't mean, <laughs> and how it can lead to joy. So first of all I want to say what opening to suffering is. It is an acceptance, a full acceptance of our suffering. It's a recognition, it's an embracing in a way of suffering. It's acknowledging our suffering. It's a way of experiencing fully whatever emotions are there, whatever emotions might be creating the suffering. We experience, we feel those feelings fully. We allow the experience of suffering to be there in its entirety. Not the story not the story of our suffering, but the actual direct experience of suffering. What is this suffering? What does it feel like? Both our own and others, and the suffering of the world. Allowing ourselves to really take in, to really feel, accept the enormity of the pain and suffering that's in the world. We actually let our hearts break open. Now in some ways this is radical. It certainly goes against our conditioning because most of us have been conditioned in our families, in our communities, in our <clears throat> culture to not accept suffering. We live in a culture that thinks we shouldn't suffer and will go to great lengths to make sure that we don't. There are many, many ways that um, we deny or we resist or we push away suffering in this culture. 
we think we shouldn't suffer. But the reality is that we do. <laughs> and so what we're talking about tonight is acknowledging that reality. Acknowledging the truth of our suffering. Not turning away from it, but letting it be there. So one teacher says, It is learning to open up and allow the world to pass through your body and mind without causing or turning into suffering. Remember the formula, suffering equals pain times resistance. So we open fully to the suffering and in that it softens the heart. Opening completely to our suffering softens the heart and it opens our compassion. It's said that if we don't experience our suffering then we close off to our compassion. We block the experience of compassion. And so a way to, the way to allow that natural compassion that is within each one of us is to not turn away from the suffering, but actually open to it. Lean into it, if you will. Like Kuan Yin, we allow ourselves to experience the suffering of the world, the pain of the world. And that can lead to joy. A light-hearted attitude allows us to see beauty no matter how much pain and suffering there is. It is an open-hearted attitude. We are singing, not out of pretense that bad things don't happen, but knowing that no matter how bad it is, the sun still rises, the stars still shine, the moon waxes and wanes, the flowers bloom. There is always something of beauty, even amidst the greatest sorrow. This doesn't take away all sorrow. It gives sorrow a place within a larger picture, one that also has joy. And Thich Nhat Hanh says, suffering nourishes compassion. He's talking about the suffering during the Vietnam War. Being in touch with the kind of suffering we encountered during the war can heal us of some of the suffering we experience when our lives are not very meaningful or useful. When you confront the kinds of difficulties we faced during the war, you see that you can be a source of compassion 
and a great help to many suffering people. In that intense suffering, you feel a kind of relief and joy within yourself because you know that you are an instrument of compassion. Understanding such intense suffering and realizing compassion in the midst of it, you become a joyful person, even if your life is very hard. So it might, it might seem counterintuitive, but it's really true. It really happens that allowing, the more we allow the experience of suffering, the more we allow the experience of joy. It seems to be true that it's not possible for us to close off or block one emotion without blocking all of them. So if we turn away from suffering, if we don't open to it, then we also turn away from compassion and joy. So in Gill's book, he says, taking suffering seriously is an important element of Buddhist practice. To ignore it is to miss a powerful opportunity. Intolerance to suffering motivated the Buddha to find liberation from it. Suffering, a feeling of dissatisfaction with life, motivates people to engage in spiritual practice. The Buddha's challenge is for us to become free of our suffering. So he's saying we need to not be or we need to be intolerant of suffering. We need to recognize the suffering that is in our lives. Oftentimes we don't, right? I remember one time many years ago saying to Gil, I'm not suffering, I don't suffer. He sort of smiled and he said, oh yeah? What about your mom? <laughs> oh, oh that. <laughs> You see, I didn't want to recognize the suffering in that relationship. But of course, it was there. Sometimes, for a good bit of my life, unfortunately, I could walk with a small pebble in my shoe and tolerate it, rather than stopping, taking whatever, 30 seconds to stop, let the pebble out, and put my shoe back on, and be comfortable for the rest of the walk. You know, as I think back, it's ridiculous. I tolerated that pebble and there was absolutely no need, no need to do that. So before we can open fully to the suffering, we have to recognize it. We have to see it. We have to know that it's there and know what it is. So I'd like to pose a few questions just for your reflection for a few moments and if it is helpful you might let your eyes close and the first is what is suffering 
What is your understanding of suffering? Second is, what is or are the causes of suffering? The third is, how do you suffer? And the fourth is, how can you open to your suffering? So I'm going to go on and I'm going to leave plenty of time for discussion. So if you want to share anything about that experience, you'll have time to do that. <clears throat> but I want to say something about what opening to suffering is not, because I think it can be so easily misunderstood. It is not about indulgence. It is not about what some people say, wallowing. <laughs> in our suffering. It is not getting lost or stuck in our suffering. It is not getting out of balance. It's not dramatizing, you know, um, the suffering. It's not self-pity. And as I said, it's not getting lost in the story of our suffering, but rather opening to the experience. So this is important because people often confuse opening fully to their suffering with thinking it's indulgent or it's self-pity, or that it's not useful, it's not helpful. Some people are afraid if they open to it, they'll drown in it, you know, that it'll be never-ending, that they'll get so lost in it um, that they won't come out. And this, of course, is where our mindfulness practice is so important and so helpful, because opening to it, we want to be mindful and awake. We want to be aware, very aware. When we're lost, 
of course, we're not aware. When we're caught up in the story, when we're caught up in self-pity, then we're not mindful. We're not aware. So that's not what it is. Charlotte Jokobeck, who is um, a very respected Zen teacher, says, We have to face the pain we have been running from. In fact, we need to learn to rest in it and let its searing power transform us. And for me, the important word in there is searing because this is not about some Pollyannish view of suffering. This can be really tough. It can be really difficult. That's why we avoid it. That's why we turn away from it. That's why we resist it, right? Because facing it, really fully experiencing it, isn't easy. It can be very tough. So letting its searing quality transform us. It can be transforming. And so it's a radical acceptance of our suffering. I often quote from Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance. And she says, when we are no longer trying to control fear or suffering, and cling to life, our armor drops away and we experience a deep and pure freedom. The other side of resisting suffering is freedom. When we stop tensing against life, we open to an awareness that is immeasurably large and suffused with love and joy. And she quotes Rilke. You knights of anguish, why didn't I kneel more deeply to accept you? Inconsolable sisters, and surrendering lose myself in your loosened hair. How we squander our hours of pain. how we squander our hours of pain, how we gaze beyond them into the bitter duration to see if they have an end, though they are really seasons of us, our winter. If we are waiting only for our fear or suffering to end, we will not discover the pure and loving presence that unfolds as we surrender into the darkest of nights. Only by letting go into the stream of life and loss and death do we come into this freedom. So it's only by allowing ourselves to experience the pain, how we have squandered our hours of pain, Incredible sentence, isn't it? 
but I bet you can all relate to it as I have. How many times have I just looked to the end of whatever the pain was, the fear or whatever, um, and missed the opportunity for learning from it? So anxious to get rid of it, so anxious to get beyond it, that I missed what, what the lesson of that suffering might have been. So being mindful of our suffering and allowing a wider lens, a wider perspective, a wider space, container that can hold the suffering as well as the joy. So we can see suffering as a call to attention, a red flag, you know, something's going on here. What is it? And we bring an attitude of, let me see, let me learn from what's going on, rather than just resisting it, pushing it away. It's said that um, Suzuki Roshi, who founded San Francisco Zen Center, said when he was dying of cancer, if I suffer when I die, that's okay. That's just suffering, Buddha. That acceptance, that suffering is a part of it, and that's okay. doesn't have to be pushed away. I've heard that Ajahn Chah Ajahn Amran Ajahn Sumedho's teacher used to go around to his students and say, Are you suffering today? Mm. Is there suffering today? Mm. Clinging, he would say. Clinging. So, the idea, as you can hear, is not to suffer. Not that we want to promote suffering, but that when it is there, we acknowledge it and we open to it completely. Rodney Smith is a Vipassana teacher up in Seattle who has done a lot of hospice work, a lot of work with dying, and he says, as we align ourselves with what life actually offers, as opposed to how we wish it to be, the meaning of suffering begins to evolve. Suggesting that recognizing the reality of life, what actually is, and accepting that, as opposed to fighting it, as opposed to resisting it. It's not actually the suffering that is so unpleasant, but our resistance to the suffering. He goes on to say, suffering is an indication that we are binding ourselves to something that must inevitably die. That's that aspect of clinging. If we are suffering, we are clinging.
Joseph Goldstein has a chapter in his book entitled Suffering the Gateway to Compassion. So there it is again. Suffering being the gateway or the opening to compassion. And he talks about Ryokan, a wandering Zen monk who was born in the mid-18th century. His poetry reflects a great willingness to be with what the Taoists called the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. And from this open-heartedness to all experience flows a deep and boundless compassion. These are some of the poems of Ryokan. Once again, the children and I are fighting a battle using spring grasses. Now advancing, now retreating, each time with more refinement. Twilight, everyone has returned home. The bright round moon helps me to endure the loneliness. The autumn nights have lengthened and the cold has begun to penetrate my mattress. My 60th year is near, yet there is no one to take pity on this weak old body. The rain has finally stopped. Now just a thin stream trickles from the roof. All night the incessant cry of insects, wide awake, unable to sleep. Leaning on my pillow, I watch the pure, bright rays of sunshine. And, oh, that my priest's robe were wide enough to gather up all the suffering people in this floating world. So, he, again, he speaks of, in the midst of suffering, the joy, or finding, finding that ray of sunlight or of moonlight, that ray of joy in the midst of suffering. And Jack Cornfield says, Joy is natural to an open heart. In it we are not afraid of pleasure. We do not mistakenly believe it is disloyal to the suffering of the world to honor the happiness we have been given. So, it's just 8.30. We have um, a bit for discussion. I would like to hear from you. What, what are your thoughts, your experiences of suffering? Um, reaction, maybe, to what I've been saying? No, please use the mic. I have a question. If if you're suffering, is it important to like contemplate on the suffering and um, in order to open to it, identify exactly why you're suffering, understand the situation completely? You know what I mean? Like, or or is it is it appropriate to? I mean, I think you know what I'm saying because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, you know when I'm suffering, I don't know exactly how to handle it. Um, you know, sometimes I try to figure out exactly why. Um, you know, I may be suffering, but sometimes that can, you know, get my mind going and going. And I don't, I just, 
don't stop thinking. So. Right. 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 Generally, in practice, it's not so important why, what what the story is. In psychotherapy, often that's what we want to look at, but in the meditation practice, usually not so important. And part of it is just what you're saying that the mind can just spin out on trying to figure it out or or going over and over the story. It's more the direct experience of the suffering. And sometimes just within that or by focusing on the experience of suffering, the awareness of the reason is there. But but it's not the intent is not to go exploring. Not to go trying to dig to find out. Does that does that answer? So, like when you say to experience like the the raw emotion of, of suffering, so doesn't matter what the story is. Like you know, let's say one day it's this thing, and then and another day it's another thing. Um, is the suffering the same, or is it different? Like are there different kinds of suffering, or is you know? That's what you get to learn by the experience of it. Yeah, is the suffering for you the same? day to day or event to event whatever the cause is is the suffering the same or is it different how how is it for you how do you experience okay and <clears throat> it does take courage to open to the suffering it because it does mean that we fully experience or we fully contact the sensations of suffering and that may not be pleasant that may not be pleasant at all so it does take courage and it may not be fun I think that's important to acknowledge to recognize and that's why I said this is not some Pollyannish idea to really face the tiger in this case our suffering takes courage and it doesn't necessarily go away because we face it it may be there depending on what it is you know it may be there for quite quite some time I think it can be useful as Ajahn Chah was pointing to um, <clears throat> to ask ourselves where's the clinging in our in our practice the Buddhist understanding of suffering is that it comes from clinging right that and that essentially means desiring things to be different from what they are we're either clinging uh, wanting something to say the same or we're wanting to push it away which is a form of clinging clinging to having things be the way we think they should be or the way we want them to be so I think it can be useful to ask where is the clinging if I'm suffering where is the clinging what is the clinging and if it's not immediately apparent then then I think just living the question or holding the question because we want to avoid that 
that mind tripping, <laughs> which is so easy to do, you know, so, especially for those of us that are kind of psychologically inclined. It's very easy to go down that path of trying to figure it out. But that usually just gets us embroiled and, and isn't, isn't what we want to focus on in the practice. Yes, it's on. Is it on? Yeah, on. Okay. Um, sometimes if, and, and I, this isn't a general rule, but what I've noticed some is that if I step back from the story and say, okay, now I want to be with this, and I sit with it, and even if I say, like, what does it feel like or in my body or anything like that, dissipates really quickly and I say wait a minute where'd it go I want to get to know it and and I don't know whether I'm doing some other kind of a mind trick that drives it out like what what do you think you might be doing just saying all right what does it feel like I mean is is that too mental I don't think it is necessarily. What occurs to me is, on the one hand, you could be really grateful <laughs> that yeah. it's so easy, you know? What is it? For? Oh, it's gone. Yeah. It may not be that big a deal. My inclination at first would be to say, just let it go. And then when it returns, which it will because life is full of suffering, right? So it will, you can trust that. Ask it again. Eventually, I think, you will see the deeper suffering. It won't dissipate so quickly. You know, our minds can do all kinds of things. (laughs) Right. So it's possible. But I don't hear in there what it is, you know. To just ask yourself, "Mm, what is this? That's, That's pretty much a simple question and what we do. Um... You might stay with it for a little bit, even though it dissipates. Just, just, you know, if you're meditating, if you're sitting, just stay with it. Again, not <laughs> going digging, going hunting, but just allow it. And if it's important, if it's there, it'll pop up again. That's, that's one thing we can pretty much trust in this practice, that if if we are really practicing, if we are serious, um, it'll come up. It'll come up again and again and again. Even if we're doing a mind trick, eventually, you know, that will tire and it'll be there. So, don't worry. Um, 
I think one of the biggest suffering I've had in my life, um, especially I've realized that at some points when the suffering kind of went away, was related to um, a kind of a belief that I hold that is very deep down. And that when I kind of investigate a little bit, I realize that it's related to the story basically of my life, the things that has happened and whatnot, that's created this belief that's, well, painful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but we were talking about not really paying attention to the story in the meditation, but they're so interrelated. And once that belief was shaken, I realized that that suffering is also shaken and mm-hmm. it's not there. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and then things change and all that. But yeah, so that's a good example of where recognizing the story, recognizing the belief, was really helpful. That it was, if I understood you, it was that belief that was creating the suffering. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's so often true. It's so often the case that it's our belief. Um, it's our belief about how things should be that creates the suffering when they're not that way. And it sounds so simple, you know, accepting life on life's terms, just seeing life as it really is. And yet I find for myself, over and over and over and over again, the mind wants to say, but it shouldn't be that way. But it shouldn't happen that way. People shouldn't be killing each other. We shouldn't be killing somebody in the name of the state. You know, it's, it's, very, um, it's very challenging to accept that this is the way it is. This is the way life is. And let that bring our compassion and go from there. that I've got that I have this constant kind of anxiety this suffering in my chest and I just is that that's just it does it just keeps on and I just try to you know I'm just not really trying to get rid of it just accepting it that's accepting the suffering you have I guess I haven't really I didn't really realize that before I didn't realize that you were that, accepting it yeah that that was suffering and that was and I'm, uh, I don't know how, how you accept it without really wanting to, to get rid of it, pushing to get rid of it, but you know, wishing it was over. And uh, that's not really a question, is it? Is that common? Well, I, I, of course. <laughs> everybody feels that way. Yes. And and actually, I hear two things in there. One is. You know, as Gil was talking about, we should have an intolerance to suffering. So there's an acceptance like the pebble in my shoe or like the the frog in warm water. You know, you turn up the water slowly and the frog just adjusts to it and doesn't realize that he's burning up. Um, So it's not an acceptance that says, oh, that's okay. Oh, never mind. Oh, that, you know. 
it's with mindfulness and awareness fully seeing it so perhaps for you seeing maybe day after day or moment after moment that anxiety what it feels like maybe the tightness in the chest maybe the pounding maybe um, sweaty palms whatever the experience is for you being very aware of that experience of the anxiety and probably or possibly understanding what's behind it the the um, what's creating that anxiety perhaps as Gil suggests that dissatisfaction with life just really seeing it fully now you're right it's so easy then to want to get rid of it to want to push it away and that's where the acceptance comes in so the acceptance is seeing it without resisting it seeing as fully as awake as mindfully as we can that anxiety and how it feels what it does to us without pushing it away without resisting and when we do then seeing that <laughs> you know so there's no making ourselves wrong it's just seeing oh oh I'm resisting that oh yeah I'm wanting to push that oh yeah I'm not wanting to face that oh yeah I'm not wanting to feel that fully does that yeah. I think one of one of the feelings that I came to recognize over time in practice that that in some ways I knew was there but in other ways um, I didn't really clearly see was humiliation or shame or embarrassment that was probably the most difficult emotion for me to really face it was so uncomfortable so unpleasant and I realized you know I had spent a good bit of my life avoiding it turning away from it doing anything not to experience it which was very constricting you know because in life if you're really open to life and you're really fully experiencing life you're going to be embarrassed you're going to be humiliated you're going to say something dumb you're going to do something dumb you're going to look foolish that's just part of the experience of life and so when I didn't want to experience that I really closed off and there were there were a lot of things I didn't do or say or experience because I didn't want to experience that feeling of humiliation once I faced it, you know like anything eventually it dissipates <laughs> it's, it's not so bad it's I mean I still can't say that I like it particularly but I don't let it inhibit what I do so much it's like okay there's embarrassment yep the belly gets tight 
you know there's a tendency to close off I don't want to feel it and I've learned to breathe and relax which leads me uh, to wonder what any of you came up with in answer to the question how do I open to it how do I open to the suffering yeah Today, I um, went working for um, a person I hadn't worked for before, and we were doing carpentry work. And um, he, I was using his tools, and I didn't quite know how to set up some of this stuff, so I had to kind of muddle through it. It was a bit embarrassing, a little bit. I was nervous at the job. There was some anxiety. Um, I knew person that I'd be working with, a new atmosphere, and uh, not one of my own jobs where I could just kind of relax and, and take it my own way, and being familiar with my own tools, I'd know how to work them better, of course, um, but I saw it as an opportunity uh, to uh, go through my nervousness and my anxiety and my um, just slight fear of how things would be working for this new person or with this new person. And um, at the same time, I was feel, uh, experiencing physical pain, which I go to an um, acupuncturist for. And um, that played into the, uh, the, 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 uh, the opportunity to uh, feel and experience my, my pain and my suffering. It was tangible within a, a um, physiological form as well, beyond the mental. And um, the opportunity to walk through it by just so you know showing up and um, being available. And in the day um, after I experienced this, the nervousness, which was a part of the suffering and the pain and the anxiety, as the day wore on and I finally went home uh, I got to at that point you know I just kind of surrendered to it and it was it was relaxing and breathing while it was happening on a continual basis and then finally when I got home and I sat down and I started, there was an experience of joy mm-hmm. that I just allowed myself to do that and um as you said, it does come and go on a regular basis. And I'm working through it, and as I work through it, each moment um, has a different form of suffering and a different form of pain. Like when I'm sitting here in my left leg, um, there's a pain shooting from here all the way up into my knee. <clears throat> But I've been working with that through the acupuncture, that um, that awareness to say, okay, that's where it's at. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So Saturday when I go see the acupuncturist, I can point that out. So um, it feels good to be more in tune to what's really going on and the humility 
in, um, of it all is joyful because it's free. Yeah, I don't necessarily um, have to be a, a bundle of joy 24 hours a day. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much for that. You said some really important things. One of the words you, or phrases you used I really like is you just had to show up and be there. Be available, I think you said. And that is so much of it. Showing up for our own experience, for our own suffering, for our own pain. Being willing to be there. Being willing to um, face it. And you talked about relaxing and breathing. That's, that's what I find for myself. That's how I open to it. Because I find if I'm not open to it, I'm contracted. The body is tight. And when I realize that, you know, I take a deep breath and relax. And actually that in itself relieves, well, the resistance. And as I said, it's the resistance that is so unpleasant. The actual suffering that is the emotion, whether it's grief or anger or pain or humiliation or whatever, isn't what's so unpleasant. What's so unpleasant is our resisting it, that tightness. So taking a deep breath, relaxing and opening, I think without exception I find it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was. And then ultimately, as you said, opening to it leads to joy. It's amazing, isn't it? And you said it so well because there's freedom. Because you're free. When you're not resisting it, when you're not closing off to it, tightening, you're free. And in that freedom, there's joy. Um, if by experiencing and open, opening up to the suffering it doesn't actually make it go away that it takes time Yes. how does experiencing that mindfully really help because over time even if you're just experiencing your suffering blindly and not really looking into it time does heal, it does go away so how does being mindful actually help You're saying if you, if you're not mindful to it, if you if it's just there over time, it'll go away. Right. Say, I guess in a more this is more talking about psychological pain as opposed to physical pain where you have an illness that over time it, it doesn't necessarily go away by itself. But if it's something like, I guess. If it's something like loss, you're experiencing pain from loss in your life. Mm-hmm. Even over time, even if you don't, if you just indulge in your pain and not really necessarily opening up and accepting it, it does actually go away over years, over some time. So I don't know if it does. It may lose its intensity, but I think what often tends to happen is it goes underground 
doesn't really go away. Um, especially something like a loss. If we don't allow ourselves the experience of that loss, I don't think it actually goes away. It may diminish, but what I have found working with clients is it may pop up again 10 years later or a year later or whatever. If it hasn't actually been experienced um, and accepted, it hasn't gone away. It is there. And that's the unfortunate part of not allowing ourselves to fully experience something like loss. And there is, as I say, a tendency in our culture not to fully experience. We, we distract ourselves, we medicate ourselves, we do any number of things to not fully experience that loss. But time after time after time, people I've worked with or people I've talked to find that it rears its head down the road. That it may take another loss that then triggers um, the experience of the former loss. And people are amazed that it hasn't really gone away. It's just been sort of underground. Like, like anger or resentment or anything that we haven't fully dealt with, it's just buried. But it'll pop up again. And the, the unfortunate part of that is that it can pop up when we least expect it. It's out of our control. If it's, if it's not in our conscious awareness, it's out of our control. And so often people have the experience of it popping up at most inconvenient times. So while time does tend to diminish any experience, I think, any feeling, that doesn't mean that it has been resolved or that it goes away. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, um, what was I going to say? It was something very profound, no doubt. Um, on one of the, it was an answer to your question, or how do we open to suffering? Sometimes I just cry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's where I really feel like I'm open to it. Uh-huh. I'm just like, oh man, this yeah. hurts. Whether it's and usually, if I'm going to cry over it, it's not physical pain. Usually, that's going to be uh, an emotional pain, which is usually much more difficult to deal with. I think that the decoupling is is such a brilliant thing to see of decoupling pain and unpleasant sensations and things that we wouldn't want to have happen happening from the concept of suffering and what suffering is. And I think to me that was one of the real wow, that's true. And I just hearing your your formulation of it into a mathematical expression tonight was was delightful. Suffering is pain times resistance. And if you can get resistance down very low, suffering goes very low. So, Right, um, right. Yes, so then, it's <clears throat> then it, you can see so clearly it's the resistance 
that creates the suffering. And, and yet the source of pain can be there always. Yeah. I, I, that's what I found is that I can go back and I can visit some sources of pain and they are still there. Yeah. And it's almost as if from time to time, as you mentioned, when some other thing happens that, that brings that back, if it's a feeling of loss, which is just so general and so overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, that all of the losses are all in one place and it's all one source. Mm which is a, an amazing thing. It's not one particular event in the story. It's just that there's a place in the story where things really hurt. And to have experienced that, I can see how that's where compassion comes from. Right. Because how else could you understand what somebody else is going through and, and then have a, a response to it that wants to alleviate that? So it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And you're pointing to the saying in Buddhist practice that that um, that pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. So as you say, we can experience pain, emotional or physical, without suffering about it. As, as Suzuki Roshi said, well, if I suffer or if I have pain when I die, that's okay. That's just suffering, Buddha. <laughs> it's okay. Just one other note on that. Um, I think that something that's useful is that little bit of being able to get beside yourself or outside of yourself because as we look deeper into the teachings there's a lot about where this whole notion of I is very deeply bound up with you know I is the thing that suffers right and um, and so so that uh, does make a lot of sense when he says that he's looking aside at himself he's seeing suffering Buddha without having to necessarily say, I am suffering Buddha. It's Identify. just, this is suffering Buddha. Yeah. Right. Well, it's nine o'clock. Um, how about if we sit for just one minute? May any merit that we may have accrued through our practice here together this evening be for the benefit of all beings to alleviate the suffering of all beings that all beings may be free and may be happy. <laughs>